Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. You okay, Francesco? Yeah. Okay. Ready to go. Um, invading Ireland as a means of stopping Brexit. It's a novel idea. It's a novel idea, yeah. That's mm-hmm. one way of putting it. What would it mean for the football team? I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. There's no, there's no way. <laughs> like, would Ireland players then have to play for England? Um, well, some of them already want to, I think, oh. don't they? That's <laughs> I think we're going to come on to later. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, we're about 10 seconds into the podcast and you've already <laughs> cut me deep. <laughs> well, you know. Good to know. That's That sets the tone for the rest of it. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football podcast is Hayoni Belzagueda. Hi. Dan Burke. Hello. And Francesco Porzio. Hello. And I'm afraid that's as good as it gets today, uh, given that it's International Week. <laughs> What's that mean? Thanks. You know, just the introduction. The, uh, the skeleton squad also. It, no, 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 no. Just, you know, it's International Week and people aren't very enthusiastic about international football. Yeah. I don't know why. Why do we all hate international football? I don't hate it. I mean, it's seen for, for as once, an inconvenience, though. Yeah, isn't it? for once, I'm quite sort of happy with this international break because I think the season is going to get pretty hectic after this, and it's nice to have a bit of a breather mm-hmm. going into it. I mean, I love the World Cup, I love the tournaments and all that, but mm-hmm. it's, I didn't. Well, obviously, well, no, no. No you can't love it if, you, if your team's not in it, you can't love it. The worst international breaks are those ones early in the season when the they beginning. have three in like quick succession. Yeah, like the, the like September ones. The momentum of the season, yeah. The September then, one, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Because if you even start the, the season, they already stop for one week. Do people hate international football in Italy? Yeah, of course. But now, like, there is a lot of hype with this uh, new Mancini's national team. So we are quite happy to see the new team with new players, mm-hmm. young players. So it's not as bad as it used to be in the last two, three years, you know. <laughs> okay. There's a bit of enthusiasm. Back. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is a lot of uh, excitement about uh-huh. this team. Yeah, yeah. And in Spain, more complicated, I guess? I think it's about more uh, wondering what Luis Enrique is doing. But are people generally interested in the international break or do they think, oh, not again? I think they are, it depends who you ask, right? But in the regions, I mean, different regions are more looking forward to the Catalan national team or mm-hmm. the Basque national team, Sky. But it depends on this specific break. I think it's going to be interesting because, as I said, it's so unknown what Luis Enrique is going to do, who mm-hmm. is he going to play. So it's more about expecting what's going to happen. Okay. It's interesting because it's the first like real game for many teams that are changing a lot. Many first games, let's mm. say. For example, Germany changed a lot and they have mm. the first real games, Italy the same, uh, Spain in a way, Argentina. Uh, I'm just waiting for you to mention Ireland under Mick McCarthy here. <laughs> Ireland if you want to. Yeah. But also others. So it's a new there is a new wave of young players that are actually playing right now for the first time yeah. for with the national team so it will be interesting to see how they perform we hadn't planned to talk about it but the Germany exclusion of Muller Boateng and Hummels was interesting it's I interesting the reaction they had actually more yeah. than the exclusion because yeah. I was feeling that the exclusion was they had to make it after the World Cup, not now. So I don't get why they did it now mm. and not right after the World Cup, which was a disaster. Yeah. And also the reaction they had was unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, what was fascinating for me is that he didn't go far enough. Yeah. 
I, I feel that way as well that he they said oh it's a revolution and all of that he dropped so many good players but at the same time it's like if you're gonna do it go all the way like Neuer like, exactly. seriously mm-hmm. Neuer I don't want to get in one, trouble yeah. with any Neuer was a disaster it, like Neuer, <laughs> and we were talking about this yesterday they were saying you know he's been in the top level for 10 years he's had a bad one year first of all it's been two bad years it's two bad after years. the injuries it's not a player anymore amazing. so give the guy a chance <laughs> I don't know. It, it, yeah. The Neuer is, is the big one. I can I can totally see getting rid of the other three, but I would have to throw in Neuer because Ter Stegen is... Yeah, um, and he deserves enough, but, yeah, but a chance. Yeah. That's why you cannot do a revolution without the same manager. You have to change it. Yeah. Because if there is the same coach for, for a new, um, uh, new beginning, well, beginning mm-hmm. uh, of a new team, you know, you mm-hmm. can't have the same manager, the same coach with old players. Mm-hmm. Italy did the same in 2010. After the, uh, the European Cup in 2008, they called back Lippi and he called back Cannavaro, <laughs> uh, all the players that were already old in 2006. So Something similar with England too, that they brought in a young manager in Southgate and tried something a bit different yeah. and it, it worked a lot better. Absolutely, yeah, it's moving in the right direction. Just on Germany, it was funny actually, they played um, Serbia in a friendly on um, Wednesday evening yeah. um, and there was a, a thing in the stadium sort of thanking Mats Hummels, Joan Boateng and um, who was the other one? Uh, Muller. Muller, of course. Yeah, um, I think it was like a DFB organized thing. Yeah, and it was like, well, these players didn't want to quit. Like, you're, you're making them quit. Like, thank you for your service. Oh, it's no. like Italy when Buffon that they uh, organized the friendly against the Netherlands in Turin last year. Mm. Like in Turin for Buffon, you know, mm-hmm. to to make him quit. To make he, him quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and he didn't go. <laughs> he said, "I'm not going to the, not going anymore to Italy to play with Italy." Okay, Ireland. In case you're wondering, Francesco are starting their new regime under Mick McCarthy, their right. rebirth against Gibraltar. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they're not bad. They might get a draw. Exactly. They're not bad. Anyway, one of the perils of recording on a Thursday is that if UEFA decide to do a big Champions League draw on a Friday, we have to wait quite a few days to talk about it. But we should talk about it a little bit, but let's not maybe spend too much time on it. Uh, In case you've forgotten what the draw was, and we all have problems with short-term memory these days, it's Ajax Juventus, Liverpool Porto, Tottenham Man City, Barcelona Man United. Francesca, what was the reaction in Italy then for for Juve fans for that? Relief. (laughs) Really? Confidence. I mean, because this is an Ajax team that knocked out Real Madrid. Okay, but how That's was Real, Real Madrid? Fault. How yeah. was Real Madrid in that game? First of all, ah, oh, come on. Second of all, we're talking about a team that three days before the draw destroyed Atletico Madrid with an amazing performance of Cristiano Ronaldo. So I think Juve cannot fear this team, honestly. Uh, they have the second game at home, so I think it's very. A part of Porto, which was the other uh, uh, team that everyone wanted to pick, Ajax was the easiest one at this stage. But then, of course, there is the possibility to have Manchester City in the in the semi-final, which is going to be probably a big challenge for them. And then my dream will be a final Juventus-Barcelona no. in Madrid. In Madrid. Cristiano Ronaldo against Messi. But it's in ten the, years it's in the after, Wanda, right? ten years after, yeah, yeah. ten years after uh, the one in Rome, which was the only Champions League final between uh, Ronaldo and Messi. So it will be the end of a cycle, you know, mm-hmm. and it will be nice to see that. 
Last time, nobody Messi wa- won. Nobody wants to see Barca and Real Madrid in the final. No, at Juventus. Or Juventus. Juventus. Sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe that, actually. <laughs> but nobody wants it to turn into a Ronaldo-Messi narrative. You know it's going to be like that. So... <laughs> Every other aspect of football is, so that might as well be as well. Hayoni, Manchester United for Barcelona. Yeah, I'm going to be quite reserved about my feelings because last year I was really happy. We got Roma and we know we all know how that went. <laughs> didn't quite work out. No, it didn't quite work out. This year, at this stage of the tournament, I think I, I fear every team. Uh, I know Porto. Porto is really, you know, the underdogs, but they beat Roma. Yeah, so, but you how? Know. I mean. But at the same time, at this stage in the international, at this level, I don't think I'm, I'm quite confident with Barca this season. But I fear every single team. I'm just really happy we avoid um, you know, uh, City and Juve until the final. I'm really happy about that. Well, I think Messi against Chris Smalling should be interesting, considering the form that Messi's in right now, like yeah. sweeping in hat And especially at what moment United is after losing to Wolves and, you know, to Arsenal. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, first game in the 10th of April first at game Old Trafford is the first oh the second leg is, at the, is yeah. in the camp oh yeah. okay easy yeah that's that's easy that's I don't easy. think I don't think you need to worry Dan you need to worry about Tottenham yes <laughs> it's about 15 <laughs> games between Man City and Tottenham in about 12 days yeah or something yeah ridiculous that's going to be intense yeah yeah so I guess you yeah I don't know what to think of this one because it could be positive because you know who you're playing mm-hmm. against but then that could also be used as a negative Anyway, what, yeah, what do you well, I'm reasonably it? happy with the draw. They probably would have been my third choice behind Porto and Ajax of who we wanted to get. Um, I think City are capable of beating Spurs, more than capable of doing it. So I'll be looking at a semi-final place and then I think they'll lose to Juventus in the semi-final and I think it'll be a Barca-Juve final and I think <laughs> Juventus will win it. That's my okay. road to Madrid for you. All right, <laughs> very good. Well, speaking of Man City, the quadruple, Dan. Mm. It's really hard. Well... It's not, it's not impossible, but you're, you're second in the league. Yes, you're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Mm-hmm. You've already won the Carabao Cup. Yeah, you got an easy draw in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Who else? Who's left in the FA Cup? Um, Wolves, Millwall. No, sorry, Wolves, Brighton, Brighton. and Watford. Shocking. I mean, if you don't win, <laughs> four I mean, of us could probably win. Yeah, that. I'd be pretty confident of us winning the FA Cup from this point. I'm not very confident about us winning the league still. I think that's there's going to be a few more twists and turns in this title race. Are you just and trying to be... Yeah. No, are you, are just, you just realistic. Yeah, realistic. Mm. I mean, like I say, it's not impossible. But, I don't trust him. Scarlett Johansson returning my letters yeah. isn't impossible, but it's just probably not going to happen, is it? It's <laughs> Depends on many letters you send to Scarlett. Well, yeah, I've sent her a lot, yeah. If you're listening, Scarlett... Get back to me, please. Get back. Yeah. Um, so it's the league is the well, obviously Champions League as mm. well. But why not the league? You're in such a. I just, I just, you are second, but it's well. So they've got a game in hand, City. So I mean, they've still got to go to United away. They've got to play Spurs at home, Chelsea at home, Liverpool. I think they're sort of toughest games now are Chelsea and Spurs at home mm-hmm. You'd, I'd probably expect them to win those games whereas you know United away is the one that I'm looking at for City as like a troublesome one so yeah I, I have a feeling Liverpool could just nick it by a point or two mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong obviously but that's my so you're just going feeling. for a double then uh, I wouldn't be too upset if we won both domestic cups it wouldn't be a complete failure but you know <laughs> Well, you destroyed Mourinho to do so two years ago, so... Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, if you had a choice between the league 
and the Champions League and commit like where we know you're going to win the FA Cup mm. so if you won the league it would be a domestic proper domestic yeah, yeah I don't know if anybody's done that in England before have they uh, it's not for a while no if, yeah I think so if you had a choice be. between let's say that domestic treble or the Champions League for this this season and this season only I would say I want to win the Premier League everyone two, says that for two reasons everyone yeah, uh, every it. manager says well, least, I want to win the, I want to win the league to the instead fans. of the Champions League at least let him explain let me explain yeah. so <laughs> reason one is that City have never retained a title before so I think that is like a, going to be a big step for the club. We've retained the title. No one's retained the Premier League for ten years. So again, it's like a it's, there's a lot of kudos attached with that. At the Who was the last team to retain it? United. They won it three years in a row, and no one's done it since then. <sighs> Secondly, I don't want Liverpool to win the league ever. <laughs> so we've got to stop them doing that. Basically, sorry Liverpool fans, I just don't. Um, so yeah, that, that's why basically you know the Champions League. I would love to win that as well, but it's yeah. still going to be there next year. Retaining the title, well, I say still going to be there next year. City might get banned from it or something. But <laughs> right. we'll see. What's the latest with that potential transfer ban? Um, no one really knows. There was talk, I think the Sun were reporting last week that they could get a two window transfer ban very soon. Mm-hmm. I would expect that to happen now. I feel like, you know, the fact that Chelsea have got this ban. And by the way, this is nothing to do with the financial fair play. This is FIFA to do with these sort of um, allegations against. Um, the way they handled buying young play, young foreign players mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So there could be a separate punishment for the financial fair play thing. But yeah, I would expect they'll get a two transfer window ban. They'll probably appeal it and it'll get chopped down to and one transfer window. Can windows. City cope then with a transfer ban? Um, I mean, as we spoke about with Chelsea a few weeks ago on the podcast, I think if they get it delayed and they can stockpile players this summer, mm-hmm. then you know it's not as big a problem is it but if they can't buy any players from this summer onwards then they're in a bit of trouble because you know they need a new midfielder desperately with uh, like a new Fernandinho yeah mm-hmm. and they've been linked with Sal Niguez the past couple of days mm-hmm. so that's a deal that sounds like it could uh, happen Atletico yeah mm-hmm. how would, would he fit in well with you're a La Liga expert would he fit in well with Man City I mean who did you say Saul I mean now with Luis Enrique, he just got called because the uh, another player got the flu and he couldn't play, so he was called with uh, it was Fabian Ruiz. Fabian, yeah, mm. exactly. Um, so I don't know exactly how he would fit in if he's not performing at top level with the international team. I would say, from a tactical point of view, I mean it's difficult to see that now because they play very differently. Mm. Manchester City, Atleti. Yeah. Atleti is a four, solid 4-4-2 four, four, mm-hmm. while uh, Guardiola switches mm-hmm. a lot you know and doesn't have like a stable uh, lineup you know how do you say that mm-hmm. and uh, Saul it's a very uh, he can change many positions in the midfield and mm-hmm. also he can play in the, as a left back now recently he's playing as a left back in defense so that's I think useful. it's a useful yeah. player for Manchester Quite City much, can be useful but I don't know these uh, players that come from Atletico Madrid are difficult to predict how they will perform in other teams because that, never sy- know. that system is so regimented exactly. at, at, at Atletico exactly. and they fit in very well to that system and then transferring I mean, it especially to especially midfielders one. because you know, one thing is a striker like Diego Costa who you know can go everywhere yeah. uh, but at midfield in the Diego Simeone system it's very has some roles and has to do that you know so mm-hmm. I don't know with Guardiola how can he 
can you perform? I don't know if you I agree with that. Yeah, I, no, I totally agree. And especially it's exactly the <coughs> point of playing under Simeone. Mm. I think they get, uh, I don't know how to put it, but they get really into that position and they cannot perform well if they are putting out of mm. that, of those same starting lineup. Regimented. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Shame. <laughs> But, uh, we but destroyed even, Saul. Yeah, sorry, Saul, if you're listening. Well, it's going to spend 80 million euros on him, apparently, so we what? better be bloody good, yeah. 80 million? <laughs> that's, 80. that's the talk. Yeah. That would be a record for a City. Uh, yes, it would, yes. Okay. How's Leroy Sané doing this morning? All right, I think, after nearly having his leg broken in half. That was night. quite a tackle last Serbia, night. Yeah, yeah. That guy, apparently, it was his um, it was his debut for Serbia. Right. He got called in as a sort of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Someone dropped out, so they called him up, basically. Replacement. Yeah, and he yeah. came on, and 10 minutes later, he got a straight red card in a friendly. Wow. A really, really bad tackle, yeah, and Sané's yeah. fine, apparently, but... That's good to hear. Sané had some interesting sartorial choices over the last few days. <laughs> That's one way of putting it, yeah, yeah. That Balenciaga jacket. Yeah. 4,500 euros. And apparently, it was inside out. Did you see that? Yeah, you can reverse it. Was like it. A, it was, oh, oh, was it reversible, yeah? That's why you've been I mean, for that price, mm. might as well, right? Exactly, you want yeah. you want at least to be able to wear it at least two ways. <laughs> like yeah. buying two jackets at the same time. Mm. You save money at the end. And it's an investment piece. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, it looked like it would keep you warm in winter. If you're gonna spend four thousand five hundred euros, I would want more than two jackets from that. I would want like a whole <laughs> wardrobe. Have to agree with I this might be a bit controversial. I liked it. Did you? Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, I'm not going to be wearing it to work anytime soon, <laughs> but if I'm a footballer with earning hundreds of thousands every week, yeah. then... Why not? Why not? I could spend 4,500 on a Balenciaga jacket. I agree, yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, one team, you, we mentioned you might be playing in the final, is mm. Wolves. Yeah. Who had a much-deserved win over Manchester United at the weekend. Very much so, yeah. And a team you want to talk about. Yeah, just oh, a you little bit. Of, you want to praise them a little? A little bit, yeah. I mean, like... Um I always think about Wolves in that we, at the start of the season, I did a predicted Premier League table. Oh, yeah. I predicted them to finish seventh, which is where they are in the table right now. I predicted Fulham to finish eighth. And so I know. couldn't hear you. There was the scent of your own trumpet was playing. <laughs> the point I'm making is that Fulham really didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Everyone saw these two teams coming up from the Championship, looked really strong, bought really well in the summer, and thought they were both going to sort of tear up trees, and Fulham have been terrible, whereas Wolves have been really, really good. You know, there's been talk that they're arguably the best ever newly promoted Premier League team um, Jorge Mendes FC well exactly yeah <laughs> that's part of the reason yeah I mean, but, it helps yeah. but yeah you know they've got they've got some good players Diogo Jota scored against United the other day he's a fantastic mm. player Jean Moutinho oh Jean Moutinho would be brilliant for them yeah. yeah Raul Jimenez has done really well he flopped a bit at Letty didn't he um, they've been told they could get him permanently for 30 million this summer and I think they're probably going to do that which I don't understand his prices anymore for it's gone crazy hasn't it but you know I think he, he is now the definition of a £30 million striker I would say someone like him so yeah I think they can be very pleased with themselves Wolves the business they've done they've got a good manager play nice football and who knows they might have some silverware to show for at the end of the season they won't but you know you never know you never know speaking of other teams with a W you wanted to talk about Watford yes another one and going back to our pre-season predictions we got the, we got this one very we wrong we got this one very wrong yeah. we sat here well a few of us sat here in um, in this podcast studio predicting who would be the first manager to be sacked and nearly everybody said Javi Gracia you know and we weren't the only ones who said that either a lot of people were saying Javi Gracia would be the first manager to be sacked and he's outlasted Mourinho he's outlasted David Wagner he's outlasted Mark Hughes no surprise there really but 
Claudio you know, Ranieri. They're eighth in the Premier League. They're in the semi-final of the FA Cup. I think he's done a fantastic job. And yeah. they play really nice football as well. Yeah. Well done, him. Mm. Uh, I have a question for you, Dan. Yeah. When England already had Ulster and Jack Grealish, <laughs> did you really need Declan Rice? <laughs> hey, it was his choice. It was yeah, his choice. Well. <laughs> um, for those who missed it could you maybe just give a short history of this because yeah. he's, he's expected to make his debut for England this weekend that's right yeah so um, Declan Rice or the Basmati Busquets as I've seen him call online it's the greatest nickname of all time <laughs> <laughs> so he played for Ireland at under 19 and under 21 level uh, he got three caps for the Ireland senior team and then a month or so ago he decided that he was going to switch allegiances to England the key thing is that those caps were not in competitive games that's right yeah they yeah. were friendly games only um, is the National League counting as friendly or is that, I don't think anymore right no that counts as a proper competitive yeah, exactly. competitive yeah, yeah. yeah. okay so, so now it will be it. not that easy to Avoid. you cannot do that anymore because exactly. every game now is competitive there is no any more friendlies no so, well there is because there was a friendly last night in Stuttgart not as many friendlies not as many friendlies yeah. yeah instead of 10 there are like 2 yeah the idea was to replace it yeah so yeah his dad's Irish I think but he grew up in Surrey and he's sort of a bit conflicted about it but you know I think it's it's harsh to say to with an Irishman sitting in front of me but you know there's, there's more kudos attached with playing for England isn't there but, yeah and what do you think about it come on well it's a complicated how, how, how much do you hate him I don't hate him because I understand and I don't think a lot of people do but I understand the idea that you could have dual nationality that you can feel both Irish and English mm -hmm. that you can feel both Spanish and French I get that my dad was from Northern Ireland my mum was from the south I sort of feel a bit Northern Irish and a bit Southern Irish. Um, and by so, the way, Ireland have benefited from the dual nationality a lot over the oh, years. Oh, completely, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Your 94 World Cup squad was basically... Yeah, in, exactly. In Egypt, so for anybody from so. Ireland to complain about this, <clears throat> somewhat hypocritical. Mm. But I get the feeling that he can... I understand that he can feel both. Where the problem for me lies is that he's gone and been capped for the full international team I think I remember at one of the games he might have cried during the anthem and got man of the match and he got young player of the award recently to then go and then switch countries for me even though it wasn't a competitive game that seems a bit Mm. I totally that, agree by the way that, that's where my you know <laughs> I feel a bit odd about it all oh, yeah. but I totally get the idea that he can feel Irish and English and feel uh, and especially given the history of the, the nations and immigration and all that sort of stuff I, I totally get that that's part of it but yeah I don't, I'm mostly just pissed because he's really good and hardly need good players so yeah I get it but it's not nice I feel like if you play for if you play for a national team, regardless of whether it's competitive or non-competitive, that's it. You've made your decision. But again, he's young. How old is he now? 19, 20? 21. He's, he's young. And to make such a big decision at that age is, is tough too. I mean, I probably couldn't even decide what clothes to wear at that age, never mind choose an international team, you know? Is he able to go back? No, no. Once once he's played competitive. Just one, right? Yeah, once he's one. played one yeah. competitive game. So yeah, that would be my understanding of it. I'm not bitter. If you're angry. <laughs> you're <bitter>. sad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it looks like he'll get his he'll he'll start this weekend. 
Uh, I would imagine so. Yeah, I think he'll get a game. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, th- I think with with his decision, a lot of it has perhaps not even been motivated by that he feels more English and Irish. It's just a case of if you're an England midfielder, there's a bit more kudos associated with that. You know, you're going to get paid more money further down the line mm-hmm. than if you're an Ireland midfielder. Your it's value just, goes up. It's just the way it is at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Poor old. But what would yeah. you choose if you had the chance? If I were him. Yeah. Oh. Wow, that's a very good question. <laughs> I have to say Ireland, otherwise I'm a hypocrite. I mean, you might say that there's uh, he's got just as much chance of winning some silverware at international level playing for England or Ireland, <laughs> really, might you say. I don't know if you've seen Ireland lately. Yeah. Anyway, that's one talking point for the game. Anything else we should be interested in for this, these England games? I don't think so, no, really. Okay. No. That's a ringing can't wait to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. I saw ringing him. endorsement from Dad Burke. <laughs> Ronald Coleman was saying, um, the, obviously the Netherlands manager, he was saying that it's kind of weird that they're having the Euro 2020 qualifiers start in March. Yeah, it's the when first like, time. Everybody's just sort of focused on the season at the moment. Like, mm. a lot Actually, of used, to, dropped out. used to start in September. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there is like a whole year cycle. But that's because of the Nations thing. Nations yeah. League, because League. the Nations League allows, I think, one or two spots mm-hmm. to, uh, to the UEFA mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah. And then there are like the playoffs the next March. So it's going to be a lot of games mm-hmm. from now to September, basically. Yeah. And I've even noticed like the press conferences that players have been doing, they're all talking about the clubs. No one's really talking about international football at the moment. No one's really bothered about it. Just I just like... think people don't know what these games are about. Yeah. I think everyone is still confused because this is the first season of, with the Nations League, right? Mm-hmm. So, and this is the first time, as you said, Francesco, that is happening in March. So in March, I, if I remember right, it used to be friendlies. Not yeah. games, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, qualifications. You this know? is the first time. So it's the first this time. This is official yeah, yeah, yeah. football, mm-hmm. international football in March. That's good. Anyway, <laughs> should we move on then from England? Yeah, why yeah. not? Okay. Hayoni, there was quite a landmark game at the Wanda last weekend. There was. Wasn't there? <laughs> Tell us all about it. Your eyes just lit up there. I wish we had the camera for this part. <laughs> so in during the... Um, during the weekend, there was a world record set in Wanda Metropolitano with six, 60,739 people attending a women's t- a club game mm-hmm. between Atletico and Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time that that happened since I think the record was actually was set months before by uh, San Mames, a cup, I think it was a cup semi-final uh, between um, Athletic and Atletico. So I think it was just, uh, it, it goes to show what's happening this mm-hmm. season with women's football. Mm-hmm. It's a revolution and mm-hmm. it's really starting to showcase what they, if you put interest in it, the players are there, the level is there, mm-hmm. you just have to give it a chance. Mm-hmm. And especially with the World Cup coming up this summer. Absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. it's really exciting to to think about it. Really. What does it mean then for the women's game in Spain or is it already quite big in Spain and this was just a confirmation of that? I think there is, is quite game. The level is really good, but there are no TV rights. No one is putting money into this. I think in the... The what was it I read? The um, in the Barclays set a record for sponsorship of an English women's football for ten million pounds for the next three mm-hmm. years. The BBC is showcasing all of uh, England's games mm-hmm. in Spain. Nothing is happening. I don't. I don't even think there are rights for the for the national team for the World Cup. So there is no attention to it. But you see that they open up the Wanda 
for a for a game between the two top teams of the league it's the the best teams are um, Barcelona Atletico Athletic and this is what happens they set a world record so clearly they just have to put the the resources mm-hmm. in it to yeah. show the level right and it's being showed in all all over Italy isn't it Francesco Italy is showing the, the world, world cup I mean yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the world sky. cup on sky mm-hmm. and then the the Serie A is uh, is also broadcasted by sky mm-hmm. and they will open up the Juventus stadium for the first time for a, a women football game I think next next month mm-hmm. I think for the okay so it's it's moving a lot also in Italy the the movement and with the you know World Cup Italy was in the World Cup last year so we have a team that we can support this summer you know, in some World Cup yeah. finally finally uh, so last week we talked a lot about Zidane's comeback he had his first game in charge Bale and Isco it's all good right <laughs> The boys are back in town. Yeah. So the old guard is back in town. Because yeah. we, were, we were slagging off Bale and we thought that was the end of it. But he goes yeah. out and scores. Well, back again. let's... Zidane brought back Marcelo, Asensio, Isco, Keylor Navas. And everyone was really hyped about it. Um, I would say that there is still... Of course, there's a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. The game, Madrid... Madrid's game, even with the... Um, with all of these five players back, they were slow on the ball. They were unsure. The first half was was not good. The first half was slow. They didn't get the chance. Carlos saved two amazing plays by Celta, mm-hmm. so he was really he really made the difference in the first half. And then Bale, he when he changed to the left hand side, yeah, exactly the left hand side. He totally changed. The dynamic of the game. He sent two balls in the in the area. No one was able to head at those balls, but he was there. He really played um, a great game. His his back, his confidence was up. His legs were fast again, and he was really it was really different this time under Zidane. Unfortunately, it'll only be a matter of time before he gets another niggling injury that keeps him out for two weeks or <laughs> Absolutely. something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I guess they were pretty happy then to have Zidane back. How was he greeted by the crowd? Absolutely. Um, he was totally loved by everyone. They had, before the game, half an hour before the game, 15 minutes before, there were a ton of people and they had a massive video of the history of the great Zidane. He was back. <laughs> they showed images from the Champions League, the three Imagine of course Alejandro he won. watching the video. <laughs> And it was, uh, it was, uh, it was amazing for the Real Madrid oh, fans. It Let's sounds like it a way. funeral or something yeah. like that. You got like here. No, you can see it in moment. the big screens, the images going, and and people, you know, with the with the little crying a little bit. And I was like, well, well, this is people cried. Is it? Well, you, emotion. Okay? okay, it was very emotional. Let's okay. put it that way. Let's say it's also nice to see Zidane back. Yeah, I, I like Zidane, and I would be, I'll be more interested to see him somewhere else, like Juventus, or maybe Chelsea or Manchester United. But uh, seeing him back in football, it's nice. I mean, it's one of those characters that made football great. So it's yeah. nice to have him there. You know? Yeah. 
Like, I yeah. feel that he's made a big mistake, but yeah, it's good to see him back. I absolutely agree. I don't <laughs> ever think you should go back mm. to a team, especially when you've done it all. Yeah. It's quit. like Guardiola to Barca. <laughs> I don't want him back. I think he, he did an amazing job. Yeah, he same Mourinho at the Inter. But yeah, yeah. it's over. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Just let go Mourinho was flirting with Inter this week a bit, wasn't he? I saw that he was sort of hinting that he might be interested in coming back. Well, obviously run that. Ah, he's, always, he's always flirting with Inter, but yeah, do you want to... Do you want to clarify that now? We talk about it later. We, we talk it about it later. We'll talk yeah, about we'll it. do it later. Okay. Remind <laughs> me then to bring it back up. Um, Keylor Navas then. Absolutely. This is only his fourth time in the lineup. He in did, the league or had he been used for the cup or had he been used at all? Okay. So during Lopetegui, he was used for the Champions League. Uh, obviously, we all know what happened with Lopetegui. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Larry came and... Navas was completely left aside. He didn't play the cup, which is usually what, you know, the the keepers, um, the second the second keeper does in Spain. He didn't, but he didn't get the chance. He didn't even get the chance to play there. And what the breaking point <laughs> of Navas with Solari was the Seska game mm-hmm. um, um, in Moscow. Real Madrid were already qualified, first of the first of the group, and. He played a second team. All of the players were second team, but the keeper. So Navas didn't even get the chance to Isco. play at the Champions League. <laughs> no, it was totally worse than Isco. And he now said that he was really hurt by what he said and that he should talk about it now. He played mm-hmm. now. Uh, I mean, it was all-time Zidane's play, um, keeper. He mm-hmm. won the three Champions League under him. He was trusted and he trusted him. Keylor Navas has a contrarianty. 2021 he's expected to stay at the club until then but Zidane made it clear that he's gonna rotate Courtois and Kaylor oh so Courtois will still play Courtois will still play and this is something Zidane made very very clear the first question after the mm-hmm. game against okay. Celta because everyone was expecting Courtois he would play against uh, you know. so they are going to rotate I mean they have like West 10 games left if they're out of every competition if they're out of every competition he's going to rotate in the league yeah oh, that's, that's exactly awesome. what they, they have 10 games he needs to value the players that has because otherwise you know that's unusual to rotate your keeper in the league I know but now Zidane has to understand which players can be part of this group next year basically there is so this is exactly what they brought Zidane now and not at the end exact, of the season yeah, yeah. he has to try everything and he has to experiment mm. with absolutely every single play and to see before the the transfer season in the summer what's going to happen you know and then so he has buy. to be clear okay it's an audition, audition for the players isn't it as well it them. really is huh? Mm. it really is um, elsewhere mark a headline after the, the day after Barca's win at the weekend read Barcelona have one hand under the title after magical Messi performance I'm guessing if Mark are saying it it must be true <laughs> right oh, well at least if they're saying it about uh, about Real Madrid or Real Madrid about Barcelona okay the deal is that Barca is 10 points clear of the second game, uh, of the second team, sorry, Atletico, and there are only nine games left. So Barca have to really, pardon my French, fuck things up (laughs) if they don't win the league. Barca have only... You can curse on this podcast. Okay, good. Barca have nine... She's from France also, more or less. (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) They have nine games left and they only have Atletico on the 6th of April. Mm. So I would say that's the big, big game that's happening. With that title done. 
I would say it's on the 6th of April. Let, let's see. They still have Alaves and Getafe, Champions League positions. So let's see what's happening. But yeah, as I said, they really, things have must go really wrong, especially after Atletico's, you know, losing against Atletico. Yeah, it's very inconsistent, they Atletico. Gave, they they won it. one game, then yeah. they drew twice. They lost the event. Yeah. Yeah. Atletico still have Barcelona, Valencia, Sevilla and Alaves. Ah, so Forget about it then. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Barcelona, on winning La Liga this season. <laughs> that Messi goal was pretty special that was absolutely magical wow. that was I the, I told people to look out for this guy he's going to be good <laughs> it was stunning really my neighbors knocked on my door asking what what the fuck was happening because I was shouting so much really yeah it was in the middle of the night well middle they have small kids you know but I was they like they knocked on I, your door yeah yeah seriously it were that loud well we have really thin walls okay okay <laughs> no but it was stunning you have to watch it they, they were like saying Lampard. that it was the first the so. best hat trick of his of the history of, of Messi's history. of Messi's history right wow. but that was a lovely free kick as well it was stunning. well nobody's even talking about that the French commentator on the no. free kick I don't know well the French TV stations broadcast the game obviously and the, the guy just started laughing when the, when the ball <laughs> went because it was so head. good yeah, yeah. He just burst out there are laughing. no words right there yeah, are no yeah. words left um, this was the lowest <coughs> possession figure that Barcelona had in a single La Liga match since 2004-2005 yeah exactly and I think it shows that Barcelona are switching mentally and in the game that that has changed throughout the season we had at the beginning of the season it was really poor poor football style they had the ball but they didn't get the goals in even inter draw with them so. yeah it was like it wasn't there wasn't the spark that is usually there with barca so i'm really glad to see that they were 4-1 against betis with the lowest possession it shows that Come on, they can be a very cool team without possession as well. Okay. Can we talk about Atletico uh, Athletic Bilbao? Absolutely. Because I looked at the table a couple of weeks ago and it looked like they were going down. Now, new manager, 10 points the last five games, and they've ninth place in the table. What's going so right? That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, so things for Atleti weren't going right with Berizzo. It was a disaster. By December, they have lost, I think it was like 13 games. Mm, They were down And they were in relegation. And this is Athletic. If Athletic goes down, like, shit goes down. (laughs) Come on. It's Athletic. It's uh, also, there's going to be riots in Bilbao. Like, this can't happen. So Garitano took over and he completely changed the dynamic of the team. Players, he brought players from like... um, players back into the field like Ibai from Alaves um, Williams started scoring again uh, Muniain as well even if they lost Aduris they have been playing really good football again and they've been scoring which is what they totally lacked at the beginning of the season okay so they're back on track absolutely okay good to see because I, I don't want them rioting in in Bilbao that's probably not good no that would totally happen <laughs> it's it's a lot of pressure though isn't it like if that's the centre of the city and that means so much to identity go to Rome no of course <laughs> talking in Spanish ask football, Monchi how he's working in Rome <laughs> it's Bilbao it's talking about it's not only the team it's what it means it's the Basque right it's uh, a whole regional identity, identity. Yeah. exactly it's also the values of the team right they've never been relegated mm-hmm. so it means never been relegated nope for play um, elsewhere, Spain play this week against Norway and Malta. One, that's one to get you going, isn't it? Really? Yay! 
Ah, is there, I mean, we should expect nothing but two wins here, right? Yeah, it really, as I said at the beginning, it's a time of um, expectation. I think that um, Luis Enrique has called in six games, he has called 41 players for 20 from 20 different teams so it's really he's completely experimenting you get a cap you get a cap yeah. everyone yeah. gets a cap and also they <laughs> do these work? presentations you know you saw every time they change the presentation of the players called like this time yeah, they had yeah. like the jerseys and all of that other time they had the dressing room so how many jerseys I they think, have to also make? I think he gets, <laughs> he gets totally confused even Luis Enrique because the, the presentation of the of the new players is him talking you know and pointing at the, as you said at the shirts and at this point it's just totally in Spain they are a little bit confused as well because they say you cannot have six games with 41 32 of the 41 have played so he has had a single starting lineup since the beginning of the of his six uh, it's games two different so it's he it's hasn't nice. had a starting lineup That's I terrible. think there are two approaches to uh, managers in national teams uh, one like I remember when Conte was the manager of Italy he, I think he called 30 players in two years, basically. He had his team, that's it. While now there is uh, Luis Enrique, Bolso Mancini does the same in Italy. Every time he changes because he wants to experiment because they don't have the possibility to see them in training. So also, it's not just about the games. They want to, for example, Mancini called Zaniolo before Zaniolo did the first appearance uh, with Roma against Real Madrid in October, mm. it was in September, and everyone was saying, why is he calling Zaniolo? Who is this kid? Who is this kid? And he said, they telling me that he's a very good player, but I have no possibility he to see him. To, he wants to see him up close. He, he wants to see him up close yeah. in, the, in the trainings. He didn't play, he just, just for the trainings he went there one week. No, and, and, and then and the one, one month after, Zaniolo was, uh, a star. Uh, was the star of Roma in, uh, in Serie A. And this is exactly what Luis Enrique is doing, because he's not only calling the young kids, he's calling people like Jesus uh, Navas. Navas. <laughs> First time since 2014. What? Yeah. So he's in the squad. You are Canales is the oh, first joking. time as well. Canales. Canales. No, Joaquin no, is not. Sergio Canales, he no. has, he's been doing Mata, great. Catafe as well. Getafe, Jemi Mata, Mata he's yeah. the top goal, Spanish top goal scorer in La Liga mm -hmm. right now. He's Sorry. 31 years old. Canales. Canales, Canales hasn't done anything for about 15 he years. Has done, he has had three ACL surgeries, the guy. And he's the best. Why not Casorla? No? He's had. No, Canales has been doing amazing in Betis this season. Oh. He has catapulted Betis into almost Champions League uh, spots. Okay. So Canales has been really showing, and this call-up, I think, is one of the most fair ones. Okay. Luis Enrique has got a really old copy of Football Manager that he's playing because Canales was brilliant on that back in the day. <laughs> remember, but remember when Canales first came out, he scored a couple of great goals, yeah, and everybody yeah, was yeah. like, oh, this guy's the next big thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah he had a... It was the three ACL injuries. You cannot come back from that. And he has done it. He's been amazing. I just really want, wanted to see Casorla in that team as well. Yeah. Any, <laughs> any other talking points before we move on to some questions from listeners? Anything mm. you want to raise? No, really? No? I think we talked about pretty much everything. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. Just last thing. Oh, yeah. Luis Enrique hasn't found anyone to play alongside Ramos. So this is going to be interesting to see because since Piquet left, he has not played a single, um, the same player 
twice. Mm -hmm. So let's see if it's going to be Javi, Javi Martinez is probably the one that's going to take the... Inigo, sorry. Inigo Martinez. Um, Mario Hermoso from Espanol. So it's going to be interesting who he's going to choose because there is really not that spot next to Sergio Ramos. I mean, you could probably play one of us against Norway and Malta and probably let's still see, be yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, so as we say each week, podcast1football.com is the place to send any questions you want us to discuss. Elijah Jackson from is a big fan from North Carolina. We do get a lot of people. We're from huge the US. in America. We have cracked America. I think. <laughs> That's fair to say. <clears throat> Excuse me, my cold is coming through. It's chilly over here. <laughs> um, so, North, any? Do you know any fun facts about North Carolina? I do not, but I'm sure you do. <laughs> don't really <laughs> other than the fact that Ryan Adams is from there that's that's all I really not know not sure that's a fun fact anymore is it not, not anymore right. no uh, so we're moving on what Elijah says is great name by the way Elijah I like that while I love hearing about people discovering what you all look like I've decided I don't want to know because it will ruin the mental pictures I created in my head of what each of you look like. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> I mean, you don't, especially not in the case of Francesco, because he is definitely the handsome one. Or a bald Ian. Or a bald Ian. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wig. Uh, so I think this might be one for you, Dan. Mm. He says, as the season winds down, who do you all think deserves the PFA Player of the Year this season? As a City fan, if we win a title, I don't think, uh, I don't know who I think deserves it out of Raheem Sterling Aguero or maybe even Emmerich Laporte. Dan, what do you think? Oh, he's even put your name in there. He has, yeah. Yeah. I also get that if Liverpool win the league, it almost certainly has to be Van Dyke. Well, there you go. Always love the pod. Keep up the great work. Go for it, Dan. Yeah, well, I think Van Dyke is going to win it. And I've thought this for quite a long time because I don't think any single player has been quite as influential on their team as he has been. Mm -hmm. You know, he signed in January 2018. Liverpool were a shambles defensively before then. The best defensive team in the league now. And it's yeah. pretty much all down to him. And he's absolutely amazing. He's a colossus. Oh, unbelievable. So, yeah, I think he's going to win it regardless of whether Liverpool win the title or not. I think that's already decided um, in Ster terms of, Sterling I would have said is a good yeah shot. I think he'll he'll be a close second I think you know City have got a few contenders Aguero is one as mentioned Laporte is one Bernardo Silva is definitely one um, but yeah I think Van Dijk will win it other names I would suggest maybe Son at Spurs has had a great season Eden Hazard is having on course for his best ever Chelsea season you know, I don't know you haven't mentioned Paul Pogba at all. well he's only been good since Mourinho left really yeah, before then he was crap true. so yeah yeah that's true I wouldn't. I can't really think of anyone else who I would. Even if City wins it, Van Dijk will win. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't stop Salah winning it last season. City mm -hmm. won the league at a counter, and Salah still won it. I think, um, given his performance, not just in the league but in the Champions League, and how he's led Liverpool, and like how he's brought yeah. about that leadership on the pitch, yeah. he's one of the best signings that a Premier League club has ever made. I think. Wow. Yeah. Genuinely. Wow. <laughs> best centre back in the world, I would say, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, you look, don't look at me like that, Francesco. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk about Italy now, don't worry. Uh, so, no Ronaldo, no three points for Juventus. What happened, Shocking. Francesco? 2 0 against Genoa. Yeah. Was Genoa, wasn't it? Yeah, Genoa. Yeah, okay. I think it was normal after the game uh, in Champions uh, League. Uh, yeah. uh, a game without Cristiano Ronaldo, not called for a game for the first time in the season. Why wasn't he called? want to rest <laughs> Allegri want now probably will give him some rest because uh, the league is already done and also last year in uh, Real Madrid Zidane was uh, choosing the games when 
Ronaldo was playing and the other one he wasn't even called so he didn't even have to travel with the team and Ronaldo's cool with that because he strikes yeah, his... I think it's an agreement between Ronaldo and Allegri there is no okay. problem with that because like Messi wants to play every single minute of every single game but Ronaldo he's happy to take a break uh, I think so okay. I think also with for his uh, um his way of thinking he wants to perform at very very high level in the top games mm-hmm. and the other ones I no just, he doesn't care but yeah. really okay. it's just for the numbers you know yeah uh, also I have to say that Genoa has an impressive record with Juventus this year because it was the first team to make Juve lose points in, in the, the league the, in the, league, the yeah. first game mm-hmm. they drew at the Juventus stadium uh, 1-1 if I remember right and they are the first team to beat Juventus in the league this year. What are so, what are Genoa doing that they can actually take points from Juventus then? Is this something that, you know, the rest of the league could look at and say, oh, Genoa have this tactical blueprint that we can... No, I think also they have they had two different managers because the one uh, <laughs> at the other game was, uh, I think, Juric. Yeah, Juric. And now it's Prandelli. For, of course, they have good players. Three in particular that probably will move next summer are uh, <clears throat> Romero, the central defender, will, will go to Juventus. There is Kwame, uh, the other striker, uh, the other one who was Piontek, which we know where he ended mm, up. Kwame yeah. uh, is really good. Where and, is he going? Uh, they are saying between Napoli and Roma might be good options. And uh, another very good one is the goalkeeper who is Radu and is loaned by Inter and uh, is a good prospect. He's Romanian and is uh, uh, 1994. Okay. So they have they have good young players. I don't think they actually. It's basically a coincidence that they won this this game because it was right after mm-hmm. Atleti, so it would be another team and probably Juve would lose anyway. Okay, so it doesn't doesn't really in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> do you think that's a weird thing that Italians do, by the way, that they what? say the players' year that they were born instead of the the age that they are? You just said he was 1994. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've noticed this before, haven't we? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. real? Yeah. He, says, he just said that a lot. I hope, we always it. say that, yeah. We, uh, I said I turn off when Francesco. Well, it's easier <laughs> to calculate, right? I mean. Well, instead of just saying the guy's age. You know why also? <laughs> because in the lineups, in the official lineups uh, at the stadiums, in the price kit they give to the journalist, yeah. right, uh, right after the, the name of the player, there is the age. Is the first thing they they put on the on the press kit, you know? The age or the, the, age of the, the, or the year? The they year, were born. the year. Sorry, the, okay. the year in which the player was born. Yeah, exactly. So you go to the stadium uh, as a journalist, and you see <laughs> this guy was born in 2000, this guy was born in 1994, 95, and that's how you remember the players. Like so, bottles of wine or something. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> if, you, if you ask me, which, I don't know which year was born Piontek, I can tell you. Yeah. If you ask me the age. Okay, I know because it's my the same age as me, but <laughs> I have to, to think about it, you know? Yeah. I stopped counting a while ago. <laughs> um, in other shocking news, Francesco, Inter won a game of football. Yes. and uh, <laughs> How was it for you? I was there, so it was nice. Oh, you were at the uh, game? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, this is the Milan derby. In case Milan you, derby, in, in yeah, yeah. Inter won against it. Milan. Yeah. Uh, 3-2? 3-2. Mm. Uh, very 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 emotional games many things happened during the game Inter scored immediately and then they scored another goal in the second half then Milan seemed to recover from the game and then Inter scored the penalty and basically they ended up the game um did you cry? We can te- no, 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 no. We can tell a lot of things about Inter and both Milan. Uh, I will resume this in 
two, three points for each team. Mm. Let's say that... Because in, Milan were on the rise in exactly, where exactly, we're exactly. going down. So um, uh, let's say there is a victory of Spalletti because everyone now is already thinking about the future of Inter without Spalletti, taking it for granted that will not be the manager of Inter next season. But yeah, It's going to be Jose Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he won... Uh, the, he won the game really because he put Vecino in a position that nobody was expecting and uh, so that was a very bold tactical move that made Gattuso didn't understand what was really going on so we can say that Gattuso from one side is the loser of the game and from the other side Spalletti is the winner of the game not only because one won and the other one lost but also from a tactical point of view and also who listen to this this podcast knows that me and Daniel Cadena talk about this Argentinian kid Lautaro Martinez since one year and uh, now we can really say that he became something important for the team he's 1997 <laughs> <just> to, <laughs> good to know <laughs> so 22 <laughs> almost 22 uh, he's uh, also the main striker for Argentina probably in the next years he will be the main Absolutely. number 9 mm. and there are rumors that he's very friendly with Paolo Dybala, and that's maybe somewhere we could talk, talk later about Icardi. Um, and so he really is now the main striker for Inter. And uh, this doesn't help the Icardi situation because, you know, if the striker that is substituting Icardi is performing well, there is no point to play Icardi anymore. Um, another big loser of the game was for sure Frank Essier uh, because after he I don't know if you saw the video no I missed he it. got off the pitch and he had a fight in front of everyone with Lucas Biglia mm -hmm. because Biglia said yeah, you have to respect uh, your teammate that is coming in which was Cutrone uh, while Cassier was not happy with the sub basically so he said probably something to Gattuso and uh, so Biglia in front of everyone accused him and they had a fight in the like <laughs> on a the proper, bench a yeah, proper fight fight. almost they had, yeah. two three people had to stop him and uh, from what I heard, uh, Kessier is not in the plans anymore for Milan in the next oh, well, future. He's a good player as well, isn't Yeah, he's a very good player. But after this, Milan is probably deciding to sell him after... And, just and, for that? Yeah, yeah. Surely you just... Because, you know, Surely you just Gattuso, talk the next day and say, I okay, no, I should also, let's go. Milan did something very strange and also very smart. They made them talk on TV right after together yeah so they were there say oh we we did a bad thing we want to apologize and everything but you know Gattuso is one of uh, was a player that built his reputation not on the field but most of it outside the field you know mm -hmm. so these things for him are hugely important even more than goals or assists or performances so if there is one thing you don't have to do under Gattuso is to fuck it up with your teammates. <laughs> remember the Lebo, yeah? Um, Kieran Dyer fight at Newcastle. Yes. And uh, Graham Souness made them sit down in a press conference and say sorry to each other. It was really awkward. No, I don't remember that part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Wanda's been speaking. Uh, more than anything, Mauro Cardi right now is training for the first time with Inter. <laughs> wow. Um, so she said that they were close to finding peace, but and peace they, is already they reached been the peace yesterday, finally. Okay. I wouldn't call it peace. I would call it break. 
until the end of the season. Okay. Uh, sort of Ross and Rachel. There style. is no point <laughs> to go on with this uh, fake injury until the end of the season. Just for him and for Inter, everyone is losing uh, value and economic power, both. Yeah. Because also Icardi, if you go to Real Madrid and say, I want a contract with Real Madrid, I don't see Florentino Perez being confident with Icardi after what he have done the last two or three months. But also, the more he stays in that situation, the less in, inter- or exactly. when they sell him. Exactly. Yeah. So both of them are losing. Uh, so now that there is the international break, so Brozovic and Perisic are not around, mm-hmm. he can go back to the team and <laughs> train with the seven or eight okay. players that are still with Inter right now. Uh, so that's the first step. I don't see him playing in the next future, also from a physical point of view, because he didn't train with the team the last month. The last training he had with the team was February 13th. Well, maybe he still goes to the gym and looks No, no, he, he did that. But of course, it's different than yeah. not training with the team. Mm-hmm. And also a big factor in this, which are, everyone is missing, is Paletti. Because Paletti doesn't want Icardi right now. He doesn't need Icardi. And he's more confident without Icardi because he can handle the situation better. You know, okay. now Inter has to play against Juventus, Roma, Napoli, Atalanta in the, si- in the next six games. So be it's not an easy moment for uh, be Inter. Interesting to see how Martinez copes with those big games. Yeah, uh, he already scored against Napoli. He against he already scored against Milan. Yeah, but I mean in regular. Now that yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Now he's that he's the, the main strike, I think he's not a problem. Honestly, okay. uh, he does, he's not the kind of kid that has fear. No, Lautaro performs. So. I think he performs better, better. under stress. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Like he's a, a sense. he's a very good player, and I'm very happy with that because I put all my money in this. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the Italian desk hates me with Lautaro Martinez because <laughs> since last January, I'm guys, this is the new the new guy is gonna be great. Yeah. He's gonna be great. So I, I'm happy with that. But um, now I think it's gonna be a break until the end of the season, and then Inter and Icardi will separate. Okay. The only chance, if there is one chance that Icardi stays, is for a new manager that comes in and says. Says, clean and find, cleans everything mm-hmm. out and okay. says Icardi no problem with me maybe we'll sell Perisic uh, which for me will be even better because Perisic is a guy that wanted to leave Inter two months ago and now he's the one that decides who is the captain or not and uh, so this is the only chance that Icardi can stay at Inter okay. if not this week they're talking about a swap between Dybala and Icardi what? Yeah, which would be I saw this magnificent. I, I saw this and I didn't believe it. <laughs> no, actually, I think it might happen, honestly. It's the smartest idea for both teams, honestly. Juve needs a striker because Mandzukic Ronaldo will not last five years. Mm. Will last maybe one other year. So they need a number nine. But getting rid of Dybala seems a bit short-sighted. I know, I know. But they, you know, by doing this, they can say, I pay 100 million for Icardi, which doesn't value that right now. Mm. I can pay... Dybala for 100 million, maybe 110, something like that. So they overvalue the players, which is good for the balance, you mm-hmm. know, and, for, and from a financial perspective. And both players are happier because both Dybala and Icardi right now are not happy okay. in the teams they play. Right. Let's say Dybala a little more than Icardi, but uh, yeah. they are not really the center of the team, you know, anymore for different reasons yeah. so it will be interesting to see if that happens we are running out of time a little bit but yeah, yeah. Um, a quick word about Claudio Ranieri 
back at Roma, lost to lowly. The only thing I can say is that he's the clear example that a manager cannot change everything from one week to the other. Yeah. Ranieri is an amazing person, very good coach, very good man. He's a Roma fan, so he's perfect for that environment, but it's not enough. Uh, it, it will be at the end of the season, then he will leave. Probably he will quit in, uh, coaching. Will he be director of football? Exactly, there? that's yeah. the idea, okay. to have him as a director of football at Roma with a new sporting director, a new manager. The names are Giampaolo from Sampdoria and Gasperini from Atalanta. And they are saying also Sarri with Chelsea, but we have to see how that goes yeah. first. So it will be a huge revolution at Roma, but... Roma is the kind of team that does revolution every two years and then nothing changes again. So. <laughs> but it was a revolution when they brought in Monchi. And exactly, revolution and after two years, he quit. Yeah. Okay, final, final question. Final, uh, yeah. Are we going to see Zaniolo play? Yeah. Okay. Has to play. What did they have? Fin <laughs> they had, did they have Finland and Liechtenstein? Exactly. Like yeah. The yeah. only thing is that he was injured the last two games, Daniolo, so he might not start. But if he, if he's fit, he's gonna be for sure in the last starting lineup. Okay. And with Quagliarella, which is a great comeback for him. Mm, Quagliarella. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> we talk about Canales. We can talk about Quagliarella. That's amazing. And he's gonna start. That's yeah? even bigger than Canales. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, yeah, he scored 21 he goals this season. Cristiano you know? has to. No. Amazing. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Hayoni, Dan, and Francesco. We'll be back next week with hopefully less international football to talk about. But in the meantime, you can listen to the back catalog on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcast hit. And if you want to get in touch, the address to do so is podcast at oneFootball.com. Mm -hmm.